so this is our tenth lesson on this book, uh, which is related to Al Hayat al Tayyiba fil Quran al Karim, which is the good life as described in the noble Quran. In the previous lesson, we finished by speaking about wealth and we had a brief discussion about wealth as to whether wealth is a cause of a good life. Is wealth in principle a cause, a fundamental cause of having a good life? And we mentioned that in its foundation, wealth is not, is not a cause of a good life. We give many, many examples, those which we know uh, from history and those which we know from even our own experience of how people can have the greatest amount of wealth but be miserable, be discontent. They could even have you know, a chronic illness which no wealth is able to cure and they have to live with that chronic illness. Some people are unable to even eat because of a, you know, the, the, the issue with the stomach. And so they have to be fed through other means. And the body is such that no amount of wealth can, can you know, uh, bring that ability back to them. So wealth in and of itself is not you know, a foundation for having uh, a good life. We give many, many examples of that from, from the Qur'an. And we're going to continue inshallah today because we, in this chapter we're dealing with three things. First is wealth, al-mal. The second is uh, al-kalima, al-kalimatu tayyiba, which is the good word. And the third is al-taqwa, al-taqwa. Right, because the discussion is what brings you a good life? What is the cause of having a good life? Is it wealth? We've already discussed wealth. Wealth can make things easy for you, it can make an easy life, it can bring you some pleasure and enjoyment, but in and of itself, it can't bring you happiness. And we know that the world is, is evidence of that. The world is evidence of that. The most miserable people, the most wretched people are the most wealthy. And those in whose lives and families is turmoil, and differing, and separation, and hatred, and enmity, and fighting against each other, and fighting over, you know, could be inheritance, or property, or whatever else it might be. Now, they are the wealthiest of people, but their lives are made miserable by way of these uh, disputes, and so on and so forth. So, you know, we, we know this from, from experience. So, likewise, people who are the, the wealthiest, their children are ruined, destroyed. They are imbeciles, incompetent, you know, spoiled, right? 
And, and so, so we know this from experience, that wealth simply cannot be a principal and chief cause of happiness and a good life. So this brings us now to Al-Kalimatu uh, Tayyibah, which is the good word, the good word. And this obviously is the declaration, La ilaha illallah, the testimony that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah. And in the Quran, Allah has given a parable of this, of this word, this kalima. He says about this kalima, يُثَبِّتُ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِالْقَوْلِ الثَّابِتِ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ وَيُضِلُّ اللَّهُ الظَّالِمِينَ وَيَفْعَلُ اللَّهُ مَا يَشَاءُ Allah says, Allah will make firm those who believe with a firm statement. A firm statement. Allah will make firm those who believe with a firm statement. In the life of this world, and in the hereafter. And Allah misguides the wrongdoers. And Allah does whatever He wills. This is in Surah Ibrahim. The chapter on Abraham. Chapter number 14. Verse number 27. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He mentions how the believer. He makes him firm in the life of this world. By way of a statement he makes. By way of a statement. And that statement is the kalima, La ilaha illallah. This is the kalima of iman. Kalimatul iman. And this kalima, this statement that we make, that we testify, that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah alone. This is something that you know we say with the tongue, obviously. It is firmly believed in by the heart. And, you know, the, the senses are established upon it. And it is firmly rooted in our fitra, the fitra, the natural inclination that we are born with. You know, we, we are born with this uh, natural inclination and this uh, disposition to recognize a creator by way of his signs that we see and to want to be grateful to him. Right? This is something that every human is born with naturally. And if a child was left on its own to simply grow up, it by its own intuition, just pure intuition, inclination, would see things and, and you know, the child knows certain truths which are from the fitra. Right? The child knows that you know, two things can't be in one place at the same time. There are certain things that the child knows instinctively. Right? And so the child will want to worship and be grateful to Allah So this kalima, the meaning of this kalima, the fitra is inclined towards it. And you know, it, it is firmly rooted in the, in the fitra. Um, and likewise, it is also something that brings fruits in terms of actions, in terms of your righteous actions. And it is something whose fruits are recurring you know, um, uh, repeating, you know, in, in, in its life. So, this parable in the Quran, um, we see that Allah, this is how He's described it Allah will make firm the believer by way of this kalima. And not only that, there are also other statements in the Quran, His Quran as a whole. 
he makes the believers firm by way of the Quran, by what he has revealed of the Quran. He makes the believers firm by way of the statements, the speech of the Messenger of Allah and likewise by way of the promises he makes to the believer, the promises of his aid, of his support, of supporting the truth and having success in the hereafter. So the point being here that this statement that we make, La ilaha illallah, it is the truest statement. This is the truest statement. This is the truth upon which the heavens and the earth stand. Right? So when we when we say this kalima, La ilaha illallah, the heavens and the earth they they they, they stand and they are created upon and with this truth. So, everything that we've mentioned here, the kalima, la ilaha illallah, the speech of Allah in the Quran, the speech of the messenger, all of these are true statements. They are true words. There's no incoherence between them. There's no contradiction between them. And, um, you know, when we when we acquire these words, when we acquire these statements, then there's no confusion, there's no contradiction, there's no incoherence. We are not confused or bewildered by, by the kalima and everything which branches from it. Right? What does this mean and what connection does this have to having a good life? Right? The connection is that this kalima, la ilaha illallah, which is the foundation, then everything which springs from this kalima, uh, everything else, from Allah's revelation and the guidance and the wisdom and the justice that comes, the justice that Islam has come with, right? The, the, the justice, the equality, the goodness, and you know, everything else that emanates from that, all of it is, is coherent, it fits with each other and, and there's no incoherence and it guides to that which is best. However, if you, you, know, if you look at every other what is claimed to be guidance or every other creed or every other ideology or even altered religion, religion which you know, came and was altered, like what has happened with the religion of the Jews, religion of the Christians and others, you look into all of these things, you find that there's no coherence or satisfaction therein. Because the asal of it is not upon this kalima, la ilaha illallah. And you will find tremendous incoherence, inconsistence, contradiction. You know, it's... Just by way of example, an atheist, for example, who says, you know, there's, there's no meaning or purpose behind this life. There's, there's no meaning or purpose behind this life, and there's no such thing as justice. It's just raw, it's just raw evolution and survival of the fittest. That's okay then, let me take a gun and shoot you in the head. Are you happy with that? Well, no, I'm not. Well, why, why aren't you? Because it, it's the survival of the fittest. If I, if I come and shoot you in the head... And take your wealth, take your car, take whatever, what's wrong with that? I am now the fittest and you're gone. Why is it wrong for me to do that? So if he says, no, it's wrong for you to do that, then he's just contradicted everything, everything he said. 
that life is meaningless, purposeless, it's just raw survival of the fittest and you know there's no real true sense of justice. We just compel it. There's, there's incoherence, right? So this is a big uh, contradiction. And you will find the same thing you know, in every other ideology, philosophy or whatever it might be. So the point being that the connection to the kalima of la ilaha illallah which is the truest word that can be said it is what the heavens and the earth are, are you know, they, they are created upon this and everything that emanates from that you know, the, the, the revelation of Allah and the speech of the messenger and you know, whatever he has revealed and legislated right, of the righteous deeds, of wisdom and, and everything else all of it is completely coherent so when you follow that it gives you satisfaction, right? There's no, there isn't any, um, like I said, incoherence. There isn't anything niggling in the back of your mind. Well, you know, this doesn't, there's nothing of that nature. And so, when a person drinks from this guidance, then obviously, you know, it gives him uh, satisfaction and serenity and calmness and pleasure and being content. And all these qualities which, which you know, the heart feels uh, content and uh, pleased with. So the point being that the kalima la ilaha illallah, um, the, the example of this kalima in the Qur'an, as Allah Zawajal, he says, Alam mathalan. Have you not seen how Allah gives the example, kalimatan tayyibah, the example of a good word, kashajaratin tayyibah, like that of a good tree. Asluha thabit wa sama. Its foundation, its, its root or its trunk, is firmly established. And its branches rise up to the, to the sky. This is the peril of the good word. And likewise, uh, it, you know, uh, it kullahinin. Uh, that it gives its fruits at every moment by the permission of its Lord. So here the example given of this tree is basically it's the kalima. The kalima la ilaha illallah, its roots are firmly established in the heart of a believer, firmly established, and the fruits which it brings are the righteous deeds. And the righteous deeds we know they, are, they raise up to Allah Azza wa Jal. This parable here of the kalima is the same as an actual tree, the parable of a tree that we see. We see a tree with its firm trunk, it's got roots deep and spread wide, it can't be moved, it can't be you know, dislodged, and it brings its fruits, plentiful fruits. And so this is the parable of the, 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 the kalima la ilaha illallah. So, So this is the kalima la ilaha illallah, as we said, as opposed to wealth, as opposed to wealth, which we already discussed, the kalima la ilaha illallah is a foundation in, in happiness, in a good life, in being uh, serene and calm and content, no matter what happens around you, right? This is the, this is the kalima, this is, the, this is one part of it. Then likewise also we see in the Qur'an that At-Taqwa, At-Taqwa, which is to fear Allah, it is to fear Allah, to be cautious, 
to be aware of Allah and to have the fear of Allah, this is also something that is brings a good life, both in this life and the hereafter. And so in the Qur'an, we see that connected to taqwa, connected to taqwa, there are numerous returns that come to a believer. There are numerous returns that come to a believer in the life of this world before the hereafter for a taqwa. And a taqwa is you know, a key aspect of having a good life in the life of this world. We see that um, when a person he clothes himself in a taqwa, he takes a taqwa as a garment, right? Taqwa is a garment that you that you put on yourself. And when you clothe yourself with this garment of taqwa, what it does is that it develops a personality and a character. It develops a certain type of personality and a certain type of character. And it is a type of character which is able to go out and to rectify the earth and to, to populate the earth, to, to, to rectify the earth. And as you know, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, what did they do? You know, they, they, they accepted Iman and they increased in their Iman and they had taqwa of Allah azawajal. And because of that taqwa of Allah azawajal, just as Bedouins, you know, who used to be in Jahiliyyah, whose society was, you know, uh, in, in Jahiliyyah, they basically, they conquered from the east to the west. And they populated the earth. And the major nations that were present, they, they, they were eclipsed. The Romans, the Persians, you know, uh, Byzantines, or whatever else. And then they conquered the earth. What was this done with? Was it done with wealth? Or was it done with intelligence? Was it done with you know some sort of skill or intelligence? No, it was the taqwa of Allah Azza Because as we said, when a person has the taqwa of Allah, he fears Allah Azza and he knows Allah is watching him. And this taqwa is 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 something that imprints certain qualities and traits in him and develops a certain type of character, that's the type of character that is going to do or going to be similar to, to, to the actions of, of the Sahaba. That is the type of person that is going to guide mankind. That is the type of person that is going to have patience upon the trials and tribulations of life. That is the type of person that is going to be able to withstand and withhold mockery and ridicule right the person who is clothed with taqwa and then the traits and qualities that you know basically develops you know which which it, which it brings in his character so we see also that in the quran that there is a connection 
made between a clear connection between a taqwa and all of the ingredients of a good life. And numerous verses. Let's give some examples. First example is the statement of Allah Azawajal in which He said, it's in Surah, Surah Al-Layl, فَأَمَّا مَنْ أَعْطَى وَاتَّقَى وَصَدَّقَ بِالْحُسْنَى فَسَنُيَسِّرُهُ لِلْيُسْرَى As for the one, فَأَمَّا مَنْ أَعْطَى وَاتَّقَى As for the one who gave, meaning who gave in charity, and he had taqwa, right? He feared Allah. And he believed in al-husna. وَصَدَّقَ بِالْحُسْنَى He believed in al-husna, meaning he believed in the kalima la ilaha illallah, according to one interpretation. What's the result of that? فَسُنُوا يَسِرُهُ لِلْيُسْرَى We shall make easy for him the, you know, the, the path to easiness. So here is a connection between al-taqwa, which is to fear Allah, to do what he commanded, keep away from what he prohibited. This is the meaning of taqwa, right? It is al-yusra, it means al-halu al-hasanah al-mardiyah fi dunya wal-akhirah. This is having a good, pleasing state in this life and the hereafter. And this means that Allah will make it easy for you. So if you have taqwa of Allah, if you fear Allah and do what He commanded you, and keep away from what He prohibited you, He will then make easy for you, <coughs> He will then make easy for you, further acts of obedience. So taqwa itself, makes other acts of obedience, easy for you. And obviously the opposite is true as well. So if you commit sin, then more sin will be made easy for you. And righteous deeds will become harder for you. So the more you, the more you, the, the, you spiral downwards, the more you engage in sin, the, the more sin, more sin is opened up for you. And likewise here, when you, when you have taqwa of Allah then Allah makes easy for you more acts of obedience. And He puts within your heart a dislike, a dislike of disobedience and oppositions. And he makes iman to be beautified in that person's heart. And likewise, he makes al-ihsan, which is benevolence and doing good, he makes that beautified also in a person's heart as well. So, this obviously is one of the Consequences, which is al-yusra, al-yusra. We just explain what that means. A similar verse also in Surah Al-Talaq, which is the sixty-fifth chapter. وَمَنْ يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ يَجْعَلَ لَهُ مِنْ أَمْرِهِ يُسْرًا. Whoever fears Allah, has taqwa of Allah, He will make for him ease in his affair. He will make his affair easy. Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah. He said that he will make easy for his affair, make it easy upon him, and give him relief, relief which is near, and, and give him, you know, like a, a route of escape from his hardship. And likewise, Muqatil, he said, Man Whoever fears Allah, fils dinabi ma'asih, 
in keeping away from disobeying him, from the acts of disobedience, then he will make his affair easy for him in being granted success in obedience to Allah. And obviously, so in these two verses that we mentioned, is mentioned al-yusra, that which is made easy for you. No doubt, ease is a part of the good life. It's part of the good life. And also, the taqwa of Allah Azawajal, we see also in the same chapter, Surah Al-Talaq, the 65th chapter, Allah Azawajal, He says, وَمَنْ يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجًا وَيَرْزُقْهُ مِنْ حِيثُ لَا يَحْتَسِبْ Whoever fears Allah, whoever has the taqwa of Allah, He will make for him a makhraj. A makhraj meaning a way of escape, a way out. And He will provide for him from directions that he does not anticipate. He will bring rizq to him from ways and directions that he does not anticipate. Imam Tabari, rahimahullah, Imam Tabari, rahimahullah, he said that يُسَبِّبُ لَهُ أَسْبَابُ الرِّزْقَ أَسْبَابَ الرِّزْقَ مِنْ حِيثُ لَا يَشْعُرْ وَلَا يَعْلَمُ That Allah will make, He will create avenues he will create means and ways of rizq from directions that he does not perceive and nor does he know of them. And likewise others, uh, they said, um, you know, Allah will bless him, yubarik lahu fima atah. Allah will bless him in whatever he has given to him. Right, so this is now a second benefit of a taqwa which leads to a good life. The first one is al-yusra, general ease. Right, general ease in your life and will make obedience easy for you, righteous deeds easy for you. Second is a makhraj, is a, is a way, an escape, a way out of difficulty, hardship, poverty and everything else. The third thing which you are given as a result of taqwa which allows you to live a good life, is, which gives you a basira, basira, gives you insight. Right? And this is from the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal. Ya ayuhalladheena amanu, in tattaqu Allah, yaj'al lakum furqana. O you who believe, if you fear Allah, Allah will make for you a criterion. Allah will, Allah will give you a criterion, a furqan. Furqan. What does this mean? This means that a person, he has clear vision, clear understanding about things you know, in, 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 in this life. And he's able to distinguish between al-khata and al-sawab, between what is erroneous, what is correct. Um, you know, according to the Sharia, according to the legislation, what is right and what is wrong, what is error, what, what is co you know correct, and also he will have the ability to know what is a reality and what is only just an assumption or a presumption, right? Because there are some people who who know realities; they know the realities of things as they actually are, and there are other people who are on cloud cuckoo land. They, the, the, if assumptions, presumptions, just whim, 
they, they don't grasp things, they don't, don't know things uh, as they actually are, what they are upon. Right? So, so also, uh, you know the haqqaiq as opposed to the awham. Right? So you know the realities as they are, as opposed to uh, presumptions, assumptions. Likewise, the difference between al-haqq wal-batil. You will know the difference between the truth and the falsehood. Right? So this is a criterion in terms of knowledge and understanding by which you can decipher things and by which you can distinguish between what is correct, what is an error, what is an actual reality, what is just an assumption, what is truth, what is falsehood, whether in relation to the worldly affairs or the religious affairs. Right? Imagine having that ability and that quality. Imagine having this quality. Right? The problems in your life would be reduced. And your firmness in the religion would be increased. Right? And then when you combine the two together, you have sound knowledge of the world and its realities, what is beneficial for you, what is harmful for you. Right? And you combine that with knowledge of the religion, these two things are extremely, extremely powerful for you. Right? And obviously this is, is an ingredient, a component of having a good life. Of having a good life. So as Allah said, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu in tattaqullah yaj'allakum furqana. Oh, you believe? If you fear Allah, He will make for you a furqan. A furqan. And the scholars have explained what does what does al-furqan, what does it mean? There are three or four statements. There are, there are four statements. Um, mentioned by uh, Ibn al-Jawzi and first of them is it is al-makhraj al-makhraj which means that again it's, it's like a way of escape for you a means of escape from difficulty and hardship and things of that nature this was said by Abi Talha Ibn Abbas from Ibn Abbas and Ikrama and Mujahid and others and um, obviously the meaning here is Allah will make for you a makhraj in the religion from misguidance. This is what the meaning is here. Right? The Furqan mentioned in this verse means that he will make you a means of escape from being misguided in religion. Because you have the criterion in terms of knowledge and sound creed and sound methodology. Right? Second meaning is that this means he will make for you a means of deliverance, safety. That you are rescued, that you are saved, and najat. This is also related from Ibn Abbas and Qatada and others. The third meaning here is Allah will make for you aid and support. He will give you nasr. He will give you aid and support. This is also related from Ibn Abbas. All these meanings are simultaneously correct. Right? There's no contradiction. They're all simultaneously correct. And also, the fourth meaning is that this means uh, huda guidance in the in the heart by which you can distinguish between truth and falsehood guidance in the heart by which you distinguish between truth and falsehood so all of these are meanings of furqan furqan the furqan that Allah gives to you right so now there are three things an easy life al yusra a makhraj, 
a way out of difficulty, hardship, poverty, and he will bring you rizq from ways and directions you didn't know, you don't expect. And also a Qur'an, a criterion, a criterion, which means in terms of knowledge and guidance by which you can see truth from falsehood, benefit from harm, what, what, what is haqq and what is batil and so on and so forth. This meaning is also found in another verse in the Qur'an, as mentioned by Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, regarding the verse, وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهِ وَيُعَلِّمُكُمُ اللَّهِ وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهِ وَيُعَلِّمُكُمُ اللَّهِ This is in Surah Al-Baqarah, the second chapter, verse 282. 282. Fear Allah, have the taqwa of Allah, and Allah will teach you Allah will instruct you. Wallahu bi kulli shay'in alim. And Allah has, is knowledgeable of everything. So here, Al-Qurtubi said, Rahimullah, that Allah has promised, this is a promise from Allah, that if you have taqwa of Allah, He will teach him. Which means, as Al-Qurtubi says, Yaj'al fi qalbihi nuran yafhamu bihi minna Right? That he will put in his heart light. There will be light put into his heart by which he can understand whatever is brought to him, whatever is presented to him. Right? So issues come to you, knowledge is brought to you, things happen to you. Whatever comes in your direction, that light in your heart allows you to understand it as it actually is. Right? And he says, um, that Allah Allah can put uh, in the heart, in his heart, a furqan, which means a faisal, faisalan. Yufassil bihi bin al-haqqi wal-batil. You know, he puts in his heart, basically a, a criterion, um, a, a, a something by which he can distinguish and separate between truth and falsehood. So from all of this we can see that Taqwa isn't something that we do only for the hereafter. Right? So when we have fear of Allah, obviously we know that there is paradise in the hereafter. Right? There is paradise in the hereafter. But that does not mean that taqwa does not have returns for the believer in the life of this world. And these numerous passages that we've looked at, they make it clear that a believer can have a good life as a consequence of having taqwa, because that taqwa itself leads to these, these things, al-yusra, al-makhraj, you know, having a furqan, and you know, th this makes your life very, very, very easy. So from all of this, we can see that the greatest happiness that a person can have is first of all, Having righteous deeds made easy for you. Having righteous deeds made, made easy for you. This is, the, this is from the fruits of taqwa. Isn't this the good life? How is it some people, it's very easy for them to, to uh, hastily be drawn towards good deeds. Very quickly they're able to give charity. Very quickly they're able to do the nawafil. Fast. Pray the nawafil. There's no, there's no hesitation, there's no laziness, it's very easy for them. 
and you know, very easy to make istighfar, very easy to make dhikr and so on and so forth. How come there are people which are like that? And how come there are other people very sluggish, very lazy next week or the week after or tomorrow or this evening or whatever? And they never seem to get anything done. Right? This is because the taqwa that is in the heart. The taqwa that is in the heart. So this is the first thing. Which is part and parcel of having a good life. That good deeds are made easy for you. The second is that whatever needs you have, whatever your needs are, worldly needs, such as provision and clothing and shelter and safety and security and things like that, that is made easy for you. This now becomes made easy for you as well. Right? This is the second element. The third element is that your sustenance, your rizq, comes to you from directions that you wouldn't imagine. So if you have the taqwa of Allah, wealth, food, you know, whatever it might be that you need to, to sustain yourself and your family and your children, it will come to you from directions that you, that you wouldn't expect or imagine. And finally, basira, you have insight and knowledge and a criterion by which you can see between truth and falsehood. Imagine having all of these you know, four things. All of these four things are things that we've just discussed from those verses in the Qur'an. And they are part and parcel of having, you know, of having a, uh, a good life. And this leads us on to obviously another discussion. And this discussion is the sound heart, right? So we, we are speaking about a taqwa and a taqwa itself is part and parcel of a sound heart and um, a sound heart is what Ibrahim alayhi salam uh, what he came with and he came with a, a sound heart as Allah says he says وَإِنَّ مِنْ شِيْعَتِهِ لَإِبْرَاهِيمِ إِذْ جَاءَ رَبَّهُ بِقَلْبٍ سَلِيمٍ Indeed uh, from his party was Abraham when he came to his Lord with a sound heart, a sound heart. And in another verse in the Quran, Allah he says, يَوْمَ لَا يَنْفَعُ مَالٌ وَلَا بَنُونَ إِلَّا مَنْ أَتَى اللَّهَ بِقَلْبٍ سَلِيمٍ The day on which wealth and no offspring will not benefit except the one who came to Allah with a sound heart. A sound heart. Right? And a sound heart can only be achieved by way of a taqwa, fearing Allah Azza wa Jal. And Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah, he explains to us what is a sound heart. He has a really nice speech in his book, Al-Jawab al-Kafi. And he says in this book, وَالْقَلْبُ السَّلِيمُ هُوَ الَّذِي سَلِمَ بِنَ الشِّرْكِ وَالْغِلْ والحقد والحسد والشح والكبر وحب الدنيا وحب الدنيا والرياسة فسلم فسلم من كل آفة تبعده من الله وسلم من كل شبهة تعارض خبره 
ومن كل شحوة تعارض أمره والسلم من كل إرادة تزاحم مراده والسلم من كل قاطئ يقطعه عن الله He says this is a really excellent definition of what is the sound heart He says the sound heart is the one which is free of shirk there's no shirk in the heart with all of its meanings you know different types of shirk minor shirk and other things like that as well well it's no like hatred the animosity well which is well hasad right which is envy and jealousy the heart is free it's it's there's no envy or jealousy in, in, in such a heart. Shuh meaning that you are covetous of things. You see someone possesses something, you say, oh, I, I want that. If only I had that. I wish I had this, I want this. This is this is shuh. That that you 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 um you know you you, you want things and there's this desire for things. Well kibr, arrogance, dunya. You know, love and association with the world. Wanting to be a leader, wanting to have authority, wanting to be in power, wanting to be in front. Right? So his heart is free of all of the, these things. They come and they, you know, they, they take, take a person away from Allah. So as Ibn al-Qaim says, فَسَلِمَ مِنْ كُلِّ آفَةٍ تُبْعِدُهُ مِنَ اللَّهِ his heart is sound and safe and secure from every calamity or everything that distances him from Allah. And his heart is free of every doubt, every doubt that clashes with what Allah revealed, with what Allah revealed, right? So this now is having doubts about the religion. Having doubts about Allah, His names, His attributes, about the unseen, about the jinn, the angels, paradise, hellfire, the grave, you know, issues of creed, right? So his heart is free from having any of these shubuhat, uh, right? These are doubts. Likewise, وَمِن كُلِّ شَحْوَةٍ تُعَارِدُ amra From every desire, this is now lusts and desires that a person finds in his heart, a lust for wealth. Right? A lust for power. A lust for pleasure. These are things which, you know, which are part and parcel of, 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 of uh, mankind. That they have these lusts, they have these desires. But he is free of them to the degree that, you know, it, it prevents him from falling into unlawful things. Likewise, he is free from every irada, every wish, every desire that clashes with the wish of Allah so every wish and desire that you have which actually competes with the wish of Allah meaning his legislative wish that which he revealed of his, of his revelation his commands right that a person is free of any of that and likewise min kulli everything that basically cuts him off and severs him from Allah these five things a person who is free of all of these things then this is the one, فَهَذَا الْقَلْبُ الصَّلِيمُ You know, فِي جَنَّةٍ مُعَجَّلَةٍ فِي الدُّنْيَا This type of heart 
is in a paradise, like a paradise which is already in this in this world. And likewise, this will be also be in paradise in the barzakh, in the grave. And likewise, paradise on the day of resurrection. And so, a person cannot have any safety and security until he is free of five things, and he mentions those five things again. So he says, "La yatimu lahu salamatuhu mutlaqan, hatta yaslim min khamsata ashya, min khamsati ashya'in." He says, "Min shirkin yunaqidu tawheed." From shirk that clashes with tawheed. Wabidatin tuhalifu sunnah, and innovation. Which opposes the Sunnah. And a desire or lust which opposes the command, a command of Allah. Right? So, meaning you don't have a desire for sins which, which opposes the command of Allah. Which is heedlessness which contradicts remembrance, a state of remembrance. So don't be in a state of heedlessness, because this clashes now with a state of you know, constantly remembering Allah Azza wa Jal. And basically a, a desire which clashes with sincerity and purity to Allah. Meaning, what this means is, obviously in your deeds, the deeds that you do, you are doing them purely and sincerely for the sake of Allah, to please Allah. It is not for any other objective or motive, right, to be praised, to be seen, to be heard, to have recognition, to maybe earn some benefit from this righteous deed from the world, in the worldly sense. No, you don't have any hawa, right, there's no hawa, there's, no, there's nothing else interfering in that deed. It is purely and sincerely for the sake of Allah So this is from Ibn al-Qayyim in uh, Al-Jawab al-Kafi. And now that we've had all of this discussion, how does a person know? Because you might ask the question now, you know, we've discussed uh, the, the kalima la ilaha illallah, how it's the foundation, and at-taqwa, and how a taqwa brings all of these benefits and fruits which are which are integral to having a good life. Al-Yusra, ease, al-Makhraj, an escape from, from hardship and things of that nature. And al-Furqan, which is a criterion. And, um, you know, we've seen from the speech of Ibn al-Qayyim, uh, the type of heart that is safe and sound, it's salim. And we've, we've seen what he mentioned. But how do we know, for example, someone could be enjoying life, lots of wealth, and apparently everything. How, how do we know? This is something that the, the, the Mufassir, or the, the recent scholar Ibn Ashur, in his tafsir, he says that فَمِيَّارُ تَفْرِقَ بَيْنَ النِّعْمَةِ النَّاشِئَةِ عَنْ رِضَ اللَّهِ رِضَ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى Al-Abdihi wa bayna al-ni'mah al-lati hiya istidraj 
Liman kafara bihi. He said that the, 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 the scale or the criterion, the separation between a favor which is coming from Allah's pleasure, right? Allah is pleased with his servant and he's showering him with benefits. Between that situation and between Allah showering someone with favors, but really it's to slowly, um, you know, it, it's, it's for the people of disbelief where he slowly gives them more and more and more and more so that the punishment can, can be established upon them, right? In other words, even though despite their disbelief, they're upon disbelief, so he just gives them more. More wealth, more offspring, more enjoyment, more pleasure, more, more ways to fulfill your, your lusts and desires. Right? And then they think they're having a good life, and then they continue in their disbelief. Then they receive more blessings and fame. And that's how we see the, the people of disbelief. You see them with their yachts, with their cars, <coughs> and all they are doing is uh, you know, enjoying life, going to clubs, going to this, going to that, having relationships, having this, whatever. That's what life's become, but they're not getting punished. They're not getting punished. They just seem to be getting even more wealth, and even more, you know, uh, enjoying even more pleasure. And they keep going on like this till they die, you know, ripe old age and healthy and everything, and then they die. But this is, this is istidraj. This is Allah, because the world is, does, doesn't, is not worth anything to Allah There's nothing. The whole world and what's in it, if you took your finger and you dipped it in the ocean, and you took it out of the ocean and one drop falls from your finger and falls into the ocean, the world isn't even worth that to Allah Right. So the world means nothing. But for the people of disbelief, He gives them this istidraj. Right? And this is something that also the Sahaba and the Salaf also feared as well. Because when they saw that they were getting favors and benefits and plenty of provision and whatever, they used to fear, is this really, is this a favor from Allah because He's pleased with me? Or is it that Allah is rewarding me in this life and I won't be rewarded in the hereafter because I am sinful or whatever. So Allah is giving me my reward now in the world. Right? Because this is what happens with the people of disbelief. The people of disbelief, um, they are given their enjoyment and things because the, the people of disbelief, they do acts of charity, they do acts of goodness. They, there are things that they do which, which are apparently good, even though they are not based upon tawheed. Right? But they are acceptable to Allah Azawajal. But in the world, they get, you know, they have a good life. They are given ease, satisfaction, pleasure, whatever. So the Sahaba and the Salaf used to fear, they didn't, didn't know which of the two is this. Is Allah pleased with me and therefore giving me bounties and favors? Or is this istidraj from Allah Azawajal? Meaning that is Allah just, you know, rewarding me in the life of this world and giving me good things because I will be deprived of them in the hereafter. And that's how the, the, the Sahaba and the Salaf, 
they used to fear this, you know, this, uh, the, the, this thing. So how do we know? How can you tell which of the two it is? And it is, it is by looking at your state of guidance and misguidance. Obviously we know that there's belief and there is disbelief. So with the people of disbelief, it is istidraj. Right? This is what Allah is doing to them. And as for the, for the believer, the person who is a genuine believer, and every believer knows in his own self, you know your level of taqwa, you know your, your weakness, you know your sins, you know your shortcomings, you know your disobedience, you know, you know this about yourself. Right? And upon that, you would then view and evaluate whatever favors and bounties and benefits are coming to you. Is this really, is it because Allah is pleased with me? Or is it, is it just Allah giving me bounties and favors to establish the proof against me? Right? So this is something that, uh, uh, you know, a believer, he, he basically, um, you know, asks, asks himself. And... Also, we have another statement from Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah. And Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, he mentions in the statement um, that how Allah has guaranteed for everyone who does righteous deeds. If you do righteous deeds, sincere, correct, righteous deeds, then Allah has guaranteed for such a person that he will give him a goodly life. A goodly life. And... Um, Allah is truthful in his promise he never breaks his promise and Ibn al-Qayyim says that which life you know which, which life is better than the life in which all of a person's concerns have been turned into only one concern what is that concern? it is Mardatullah it is to please Allah. Right? If, if you are a person who throughout the day the only thing you are thinking is how can I please Allah? Right? This, this will... What this does is it brings all of your affairs together. But if you are someone who is... Your, your heart is scattered and his concern is this and then that and this and that, and then you're preoccupied with the world, and your mind is scattered in every direction, right? And that's what you're thinking of through the day. Then you, you know, you, your, your affairs now become scattered, right? This is, this is just how things are. But if you make your concern to please Allah, then your actions will in turn be guided, right? All of your conduct will, will be guided and will become coherent, and your life will not be scattered in every direction. Like if you ever think and you stop and you just think and reflect and you think, what, you know, why am I being pulled in every direction? I'm being pulled over here in this direction from this thing, you know, whether it's work or whether it's a, a family member or whatever, and I'm being pulled in that direction, I'm being pulled in... And you, your mind's everywhere, you're scattered. Why is this? Right? Then the reason is because you're, you're not uniting all of your concerns into one and making everything centered around pleasing Allah if you did that then all your affairs would likewise come come together 
So he continues and he says, um, uh, uh, he says that, um, you know, this such a person, he turns to Allah and his irada, you know, his, his wish and, uh, you know, you know, all of that, even though they were divided previously, even though they were scattered in every valley and in every direction, they all come together. And um, his greatest uh, pleasure is to, you know, he, he remembers his Lord, the Most High, and he loves him, he wants to meet him, you know, he, he proceeds upon this, all of his concerns, his, you know, concern in, in his mind, his wish, everything, all of it is centered around this one thing. And when he does that, it has an effect upon his behavior. So, when you remain silent, he's remaining silent because of, you know, for the sake of Allah or by Allah. And if he speaks, he's speaking by Allah. Meaning, uh, you know, for, for, for the sake of Allah, for the sake of Allah's pleasure. And if he listens, it is for the sake of Allah that he listens. If he sees, it is for the sake of Allah that he sees. And if he strikes, it is striking by way of Allah, meaning for the sake of Allah, in Allah's cause, in Allah's way. If he moves, it is for the sake of Allah. If he rests, it is for the sake of Allah. Right? And, you know, for Allah he lives, for Allah he dies, and for Allah he will be raised. And so we see the whole, everything that a believer is now doing, every deed, every statement, every step, every speech, because he made his humum and his iradat, meaning all of them, he gathered them all together and made them to be the pleasure of Allah is what I'm seeking, then everything in his life comes and gels together and therefore everything he does, it is for Allah. His whole life now comes together. And that's why this meaning is contained in the hadith, the famous hadith of the messenger of Allah Sallallahu uh, in, in the Hadith Qudsi, in which Allah Zawajal, He said, مَا تَقَرَّبَ إِلِيَّ عَبْدِي بِمِثْلِ أَدَاءَ مَفْتَرَطُ عَلِيهِ That my slave, my servant, does not come closer to me, except by fulfilling that which I have made obligatory upon him. So he does the obligatory things. And then he does not seize, وَلَا يُزَالُ عَبْدِي يَتَقَرَّبُ إِلِيَّ بِالنَّوَافِلِ حَتَّى أُحِبَّهِ and he never ceases becoming close to me by way of the nawafil, the voluntary actions of, of worship, until I love him. And then when I love him, فَإِذَا أَحْبَبْتُهُ I become his كُنْتُ سَمْعُهُ الَّذِي يَسْمَعُ بِهِ I become his hearing by which he hears. Meaning that person only hears that which is pleasing to Allah and you know, in the sake of Allah. And I become the seeing with which he sees. Meaning the only thing he looks at and sees is what is for the sake and pleasure of Allah. And I become the hand with which he strikes. Meaning he strikes in the path of Allah for the sake of Allah. And his foot by which he walks. Meaning he walks in, in the path for the sake of Allah. And so by me does he hear. And by me does he see. And by me does he strike, and by me does he walk. And if he was to ask me, I would most certainly give to him. 
And if he was to seek refuge in me, I would most certainly give him refuge. And I do not hesitate, I do not hesitate in doing anything like my hesitation in taking the soul of my believing servant. He dislikes death and I dislike to harm him. But there is no escape from it. Right? This is the hadith Qudsi. And you can see here that a believer who first of all fulfills the obligations, then he keeps doing the nawafil until he acquires the love of Allah Azawajal. And when Allah, this is when Allah loves him, then all of his affairs, everything that he does, you know, everything he speaks with, everything he sees, everything he hears, every walk, the, the step that he takes, you know, all of that now becomes for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jal. So, so in other words, all of the believer's affairs and all of his conduct is now set aright. It is set aright. And finally, we finish with a statement from Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymi, rahimahullah. And he also explains the connection between al-Iman and Tawheed and a good life. Iman and Tawheed and a good life. So he says, he first of all mentions the, the chapter of the Qur'an, wal-asr, wal-asr, inna al-insana la fi khusr, illa al-ladhina amanu wa aminu salihat By time, verily man is in loss except those who believe and do righteous deeds. Right? And he also mentioned, from Surah At-Teen, ثُمَّ رَدَدْنَاهُ أَسْفَلَ سَافِلِينَ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ فَلَهُمْ أَجْرٌ غِيرٌ مَمْنُونَ So he said, then we reduced him to the lowest of the low. So we created man with the best stature, and then we then we reduced him, uh, then we returned him to the lowest of the low, except those who believe and do righteous deeds. So Ibn Taymi says that Allah has judged upon mankind, right, as a species, mankind as a whole, and likewise upon the, 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 the humankind, he's judged them as with al-khasara, al-khasara and as-suful. Right? That by default, mankind is in ruin and he is like the lowest of the low. And he made an exception. Who did he make an exception for? He mentioned those who believe and do righteous deeds. And for this reason, he made the people of paradise to be the people of Iman. And he made the people of hellfire to be the people of disbelief. So, this matter has become so well known and famous by way of the prophets and messengers. Meaning that the prophets and messengers, it is through them that we know that the people of Iman, they are the ones who will inhabit paradise. And the people of disbelief, they are the ones who will inhabit the hellfire. And this has reached so many people, you know, by way of the prophets and messengers, Nuh, Ibrahim, uh, and Musa, Suleiman, and Dawood, and Isa. And this has been conveyed through revelation and passed on. And this is something that's known and established. And 
in his revelation, Allah he tied happiness to rectifying your actions. Right? He mentions a number of verses. One of the woman arad al akhirah. Whoever Shaykh al-Islam mentions the, the verse in the Quran, وَمَنْ أَرَادَ الْآخِرَةِ وَسَعَى لَهَا سَعْيَهَا وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنِ فَأُولَٰئِكَ كَانَ سَعْيُهُمْ مَشْكُورًا Whoever desires the hereafter and strives for it with its striving, with its due striving, whilst he is a believer, then they are the ones whose striving will be, you know, is, 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 um, is, 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 is mashkur. Right, Surah Al-Isra, that's the 17th chapter, verse number 19. And conversely, so here, this is referring to the believers, right? Allah rewards them because they deserve the hereafter. But as for the people of disbelief, their deeds or their apparent deeds which are righteous, then they are of no, they have no benefit. وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا أَعْمَالُهُمْ كَسَرَابٍ بِقِيَعَةٍ Those who disbelieve, their actions are like a, it's like a, it's like a mirage in the lowland. It's like a distant mirage. There's nothing there. Right? There's nothing there. And also, مَثَلُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا بِرَبِّهِمْ أَعْمَالُهُمْ كَرَمَادٍ Those who disbelieve their likeness is that their deeds are like ashes. Imagine ashes. There's ashes. And the wind comes and it just scatters and blows the ashes away until there's nothing left. But this is the nature of the deeds of the people of disbelief because they're not founded upon tawheed right? and ikhlas. And also, he said, uh, Allah Zawajal, he said, he says the example of what they spend in the life of this world is the example of a wind within which there is frost and it comes and it harms their uh, vegetation, it destroys their vegetation of a people who wronged themselves and it destroyed it, right? So sometimes you have 
the, the, the wind comes and has frost, and the frost can kill the vegetation and fruits. It, it kills the plant, it kills the, can kill the tree. Right? And so this is the nature of what is with the people of disbelief, of apparent good deeds. And these are three similitudes in the Qur'an. Three similitudes. Similitude of a mirage in the distant. You think something is there, when you get to it, nothing is there. Second example is like ashes, you know, which as soon as the wind comes, they are blown in every direction and th there's nothing of substance, there's nothing there. It's gone. And also, um, you know, the, 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 the cold, coldness, the frost which comes with the, with the wind and it destroys whatever vegetation or fruits a person thought he has. He thought he, he thinks he has it. And then it comes and it's and, and it is destroyed, right? These are all parables and examples of. Um, in fact, another verse: "Wa khadimna ila ma amilu min amalin fajalnahu haba mansura." That we, this is on the on the hereafter. That we shall turn to whatever deeds they did, and we shall turn them into scattered dust, scattered dust. So here are four parables in the Quran of deeds which are not based upon a tawheed. Well, Iman, Iman, what Tawheed? They are vain. They have no benefit. There will, there will be nothing in the hereafter. And so, so this, this, these are the parables in the Quran. And so, from all of this discussion, everything that we've discussed today so far, we spoke about the kalima la ilaha illallah, the similitude of a tree, right? Iman in the heart of a believer, and it produces. Fruits, which is which is righteous actions. This is part and parcel of having a good life. We mentioned at taqwa. At taqwa. At taqwa means to fear Allah, to be you know to to um, do whatever He commanded, and keep away from whatever He prohibited. And at taqwa, it has fruits, and benefits. From them, it gives you an easy life, makes easy for you al yusra. It gives you a makhraj means of escape from difficulty, gives you a furqan, a criterion between truth and falsehood, benefit and harm, right, what is right, what is wrong, and so on and so forth. And likewise we spoke about, you know, the, the sound heart, how the sound heart is produced by way of a taqwa, and what are the things that make a sound heart, right? Tawheed as opposed to shirk, sunnah as opposed to bid'ah, right? Obedience as opposed to disobedience, dhikr as opposed to heedlessness, and all those other things. And finally, we mentioned some statements from Ibn al-Qayyim and Ibn Taymiyyah, and um, you know they they mentioned some of these other things. Uh, how how a believer when he makes his concern to be the pleasure of Allah, all of, all of his affairs become set aright. They fall into place. And when he is not concerned with pleasing Allah, all of his affairs in the world become scattered in every direction. Right? And he doesn't have any ease or satisfaction or serenity. And he's just chasing after this, 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 or whatever. And he's scattered in every direction. And finally, Ibn, uh, Ibn, uh, Ibn Taymiyyah has explained to us um, the connection between Iman and righteous deeds with happiness in this life and the hereafter. And contrasted it to what is found with the people of disbelief of deeds, 
which are going to turn into nothing, right? Nothing uh, in, in, in the hereafter. So with that, we'll conclude our lesson there for today, inshallah. And the final lesson or two that we have now left is we are simply going to look at numerous asbab which are mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah, maybe 15 or 20 or so. We'll go through them very, very quickly, inshallah. Um, of, of you know what, what brings and helps to, to bring about or cause a good life for a believer. Inshallah, we'll, then we'll conclude the book with that, inshallah ta'ala. So with that, we'll conclude our lesson for today. Walhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wa ala alihi 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 wa sallam